Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Well, this morning we have the opportunity to have one of our ministry partners, Primrose Hill Teen Challenge, here with us this morning. And I would like to introduce our friend and the executive director of Primrose Teen Challenge. Would you welcome to the stage this morning, Mr. Randy Asbury. Randy, it's so good to have you and Primrose Hill Teen Challenge here with us this morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Primrose Hill has been one of our ministry partners now for several years since its inception, since the, since the idea stage when we began praying and looking for a location. And it's been our privilege to partner with you in prayer and in finances and volunteering. And I'd love for you to talk with our folks today about Primrose Hill. Mr. Randy Asbury. Thank you, Jeremy. You bet. Happy Mother's Day. It's wonderful to be here today. This <laughs> they is, said to you, too. Yeah, to me, I too. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I've, I've been Mr. Mom for a number of years at home, so I, I've done all those things with the exception of the few that I can't. <laughs> I can mop, I can clean, I can wash, I can do toilets. And Connie is very proud of that, aren't you? <laughs> I, do, I do have my wife with me here today, Connie, uh, my daughter, Mandy, my son... Tristan is in the back of the room. Uh, we used to attend C2 uh, back when it was Christian Chapel, actually. This would have been about 18, 20 years ago. This is our first church home, and it's such a pleasure, pleasure to be back with you today. I am here today on behalf of Primrose Hill Teen Challenge. We want to thank you so much for how you partner with us to allow us to do God's work. Were it not for folks like you, were it not for churches like you, it would be very difficult for us to do the work that we attempt to do on God's behalf. You are not only volunteer partners, but you're financial partners, and we are very appreciative of that, and we never take that for granted. Today, I'd like to have the girls stand. Uh, We have six students, two up front. Uh, We have four out here. And it'd be Kelly, Heather, Addie, and Alicia. We have Donna, who is staff with us. And then Crystal. uh, I'm not sure where Crystal is. Last time she was back there, but she's our development director. And then also in the past, and I didn't mention this first time. It was an oversight on my part, and I apologize. uh, Rick Rowden was our development director for quite some time and has been so very instrumental. Rick has been very instrumental in Primrose Hill and uh, what we've been able to accomplish there, and we're grateful for that as well. The mission of Primrose is to provide women and mothers with children with an effective and comprehensive Christian faith-based solution to life-controlling drug and alcohol problems in order to become productive members of society. By applying biblical principles, uh, we endeavor to help people become mentally sound, emotionally balanced, socially adjusted, physically well, and spiritually alive. We're the only teen challenge in the state of Missouri that allows children to come with mothers. We are only one of 11 in the United States that allows that. So we're very unique in what we do. I think I could go so far as to say if we did not allow children to come, and that is up basically to preschool to stay 24-7 with us, some of these mothers probably wouldn't come. Uh, They don't want to leave their children. So because of this, the uniqueness of our setting, 
they do come, and God does great things. We see miracles on a daily basis. Uh, it's been a great pleasure for me to be able to work there in the past 90 or so days and look forward to what God has for the future. We have with us today a couple of ladies that I'd like to introduce you to. This is Kayla, and this is Lindsay. Kayla has been with us the longest now, a little over four months, four and a half thereabouts. If I was to describe Kayla, it would be solid, dependable, steady, consistent, mature, you name it, that's what she is. She's the leader of the home, She and the girls are raised, shake, shaking their head yes. She, she does set the model for the students, and we couldn't be more proud of her for doing that. Lindsay has not been there but just a few weeks, but she likes to do poetry. So today she's going to have the opportunity to share a poem after Kayla shares her story to give you an indication of how God works even in the earliest phases of Primrose Hill. This will be her first, second time of public speaking. She shared this in the first uh, service this morning. So I'd like to invite Kayla forward now to share her story. Hello, as Randy said, my name is Kayla. I am 31 years old and I am the mother of a beautiful little three-year-old girl named Natalie. And for the four, past four and a half months, I've been a student at the Primrose Hill Teen Challenge in Clark, recovering from a life-controlling addiction to alcohol. Um, I spent a lot of time in church growing up, and I was a pretty good kid. However, when I was about 15, I began smoking, drinking, and experimenting with drugs. By the time I was 21, I was on my second DWI. By 23, I was a full-blown functioning alcoholic. By 24, I was quitting my first attempt at rehab. Over the next several years, I became less and less functioning. I was arrested several times. I couldn't hold a job, keep an apartment, pay my bills. I was destroying every relationship I ever had and ruining everything I came into contact with. I was suffering from deep depression and anxiety, and at this point in time, I hated myself and my life, and I had no hope. In June of last year, at the urging of a judge, I checked myself into a 30-day treatment facility in an attempt to not lose all custody of my daughter. I successfully completed the program in July. Um, however, my sobriety was short-lived, and in November of last year, I was arrested for a third DWI, which is a felony in Missouri. At that point in time, I got fed up, and I knew I didn't want to live the life I was living anymore. I'd lost everything, including myself to drinking. My daughter was the only thing in my life I cared about, and I was ready to lose her, too. I decided I wanted to go to rehab again, but I knew I needed to do something different, that a 30-day program wasn't going to work for me. So it just so happened that a few months earlier, my grandfather had actually given me an application to Teen Challenge. Um, and I thought he was crazy because I wasn't going to go anywhere for a year. Um, in my mind, I could do it on my own, and I was really wrong. So after months of sitting on a shelf, I took the application and filled it out and sent in. And a few weeks later, I was walking through the doors of Primrose Hill. When I got there, I was tired, and I was broken. I was scared, and I was really begging God just to let it work. It was at that point in time that I began to find my way back to God. I just surrendered it all to him. I gave him all of my mess. I gave him my fears and my worries, my guilt, my regret, and all of my shame. And in return, he gave me his love, gave me his grace and mercy, and he gave me forgiveness. And this is when things started to get good in my life again. I wake up every day looking forward to what's going to happen now. I'm not overcome by fear or depression or anxiety anymore, and I'm not a slave to my addiction anymore. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, 
knows the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's exactly what he's doing in my life. For the first time in a very long time, I have hope, and I know I have a future. Several months ago, that scripture was nothing more than empty words to me, but now I know it to be the truth. In the past four months, Primrose Hill and God has worked in my life in such amazing ways. I've been giving a new chance at life, and piece by piece, he's making me new. This time last year, I wasn't even allowed to see my daughter on Mother's Day, and she's with me now, and that is by the grace of God. And my journey at Teen Challenge is far from over, but I know it's going to be good when I get done with it, and I can't wait to see how that turns out. Thank you. There are nine children here today with us uh, back in some other part of the building, uh, but children to five of the six ladies that are here today, and that's such a blessing. Uh, we only have two that are on site 24-7, but the others rotate in and out on weekends, and this summer, as soon as school's out, we'll have a number of children there on a regular basis. So we are full with the exception of we have one open bed that we hope to fill soon. Lindsay. It's been amazing to watch her grow. Uh, it's been amazing to watch how committed she is to doing the program and to allowing God work in her life. I would guess she had probably never prayed too much prior to coming in, but she prays over every meal, and she started doing that just a few days after she came in. She is really seeking God to do the work in her life that he chooses to do, and we're so very proud of her. Lindsay? Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, I wrote this poem on April 16th. Um, the devil was once inside me. Now that I have surrendered my life to my God, he has set me free. I no longer have to live in the past. I no longer have to feel like the outcast. The devil no longer has control of my soul. The love my God has given me, my heart feels so full. So full of peace and so full of bliss. I've waited all my life to feel like this. I, his love feels so powerful, I know he will never fail. It all seems so surreal, it's almost like I'm in a fairy tale. But it's not, this new life is very real. With trust in God, I can speak clearly about how I feel. I am beautiful, worthy, lovable, and smart. These qualities I can only portray having God in my heart. He is teaching me how to be a good mother, daughter, sister, friend. I will follow God until my time comes to an end. I can't wait to see what my new life holds. I'm going to sit back and wait and see all that God unfolds. Thank you. Church, in just a second, we're going to worship through our giving. And I, I wanted Primrose and Randy and the ladies to share because I wanted you to see that when you give, it's with purpose. That, that when you give, lives are being changed. When you give to what we call our faith promises, that money goes directly to worthy and vital ministries like Primrose Hill Teen Challenge, which isn't just a, a name for a ministry. It's 
It's real people, real women, and the next generation of children that through God's power and your help, church, we're breaking the chains of addiction and brokenness for the next generation. So our volunteers are coming forward as we prepare our gifts. Thank you to those who've already given online. Many of you asked last week, uh, after hearing Hulda Buntain share how you can give, faith promises are the best way to give, because all that money goes directly to our missionary partners like Primrose Hill and Hulda Buntain. It's because of your faithful giving that those ministries can continue to thrive. Randy, thank you for your partnership. Thank you for letting us. <laughs> I use the word letting us. It's such a privilege to give and be generous to such a, a worthy cause to see God do his work in these great women. Let's pray this morning as we give. Father, take what we give this morning, which at times may seem little, but in your hands it's multiplied to much. And so take it this morning. We give it to you freely, happily, because we know that in your hands it is well spent and well invested in your kingdom work. Would you bless Primrose Hill and all of the ladies and children? Would you fill that house with your Holy Spirit as you continue to work, do the work that only you can do. You are faithful, God. Your grace and your mercy are more than enough. And may every woman who enters that house, every child who steps foot on that property, feel your presence. And it breaks every chain, every thought, every lie of the deceiver, the devil, would be broken in the name of Jesus. Would you pour out your blessings upon Randy and Connie as they lead and their staff? Fill them with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit for the glory of one name, Jesus Christ. And it's in that name we pray. And the church said together, Amen. 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 Great job. This one goes out to moms. On behalf of all the kids in the world, here are two things every mom needs to know. Number one, put down your phone. Unless your kid is named phone. Number two, don't name your kid phone. That's just not right. That's messed up. Number three, we love you. It's just sometimes we don't know how to say it. Sometimes it just comes out screaming or crying. But the next time your kid screams, you know what they're really saying is, I love you, Mom. You're beautiful. Thank you for not naming me phone. <laughs> Four, stop cleaning. Our house isn't messy. Our house is awesome. It's awesome because we live in it. My mom got stuff to do. Number five. Mom upside down is wow. Doesn't really mean anything, but I just thought it was really cool. Wow. It should be like this. Wow, 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 wow. Number six. Well, I have you here. I want to take a second and talk about meatloaf. Meatloaf's like a loaf of bread, but it's meat. Mom, we love you, but let's cool it on the meatloaf. Number seven, thank you for cleaning up all the poop. Number eight, have fun for once. We love to see you have fun. Dance in the grocery store. Uh-huh, I found all this stuff. Or sing in the middle of a driveway. Oh, it'll feel great. Great. And then it'll scare your kids so much, they'll be quiet. Number nine. Hug more, shout less. Look, I get it, I get it. Sometimes we do something wrong. But growing up is scary. There's school, there's tests, there's telling times with clocks that have hands. There's tying your shoes and kilograms and kilograms. Kilograms? I don't know, it's hard.
are, but that's why I go to school. It's just hard to grow up. Sometimes we just need moms, moms to tell us everything's okay. Number 10, the secret to changing the world, moms. Without moms, none of us will be here. Moms, kids love you, 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 and you. If every mom in the world knew how awesome they were, every problem in the world would be fixed. From kids everywhere, thanks for believing in us, putting up with us, and straight up loving us. Mom, you keep us dancing. Good morning. What a cute boy. (laughs) That's why I chose that video. I just thought it was so encouraging and he's adorable. So, and it's obvious he loves his mother. But as I watched that video, I noticed that he was very clear on one truth. His mom was not a perfect mother. Put down your phone, he says, unless of course your name is phone. Stop cleaning. Cool it on the meatloaf. Have fun for once. Hug more shout less. This little boy obviously loves and respects his mother, but even he understands that there's no such thing as a perfect mother. I want to welcome you all here and wish you a happy Mother's Day. Did you know that Mother's Day is the third most celebrated holiday of the year after Christmas and Easter? And I get to speak this morning. (laughs) There's no pressure. (laughs) In fact, over 145 million cards are sent. $14.6 billion spent on gifts and dinner. 69% of those gifts are flowers. There's no doubt that mothering is the toughest job that you'll ever have, and you love it almost every minute of it. Today we pause and say thanks for all your hard work. I'm sure we don't say thanks enough. I know when I became a mom, I thanked my mom more and more for what she put up with me because now I kind of understood the frustrations But, oh, it's so rewarding. But I do realize that some of you come into this auditorium with mixed emotions because you are carrying the pain of not being able to have children or maybe your mom is no longer with you today. It is my prayer that God will give you grace and will give you the strength as you walk through this difficult season. I'm a mom of three wonderful children, Maddie's 14, Caitlin 11, and Robbie 7. I'd like to share with you two verses that have encouraged me in my role as a mom. The first one is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear friends or sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Did you catch that? Our labor in the Lord, our mothering, is not in vain. What does vain mean? So I looked it up. One of the definitions is producing no result or useless. It may look sometimes as if what we are doing is in vain, but it's not. God promises us that it's not. Cling to that, moms, when you're exhausted or discouraged. When it seems like you've corrected that same misbehavior a thousand times and it still occurs. Or when your prayers for your children seem to be going unanswered, our labor is not in vain. The second verse that has encouraged me as a mom is Matthew twenty-five forty. The king reply, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, 
you did for me. Jesus didn't say, whatever you did for one of the least of these, I appreciate it. He said, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. If everything as I, that I do as a mother is really done for Jesus himself, that should change my attitude completely. On all the tasks that I do as a mom, whether it's cleaning, doing the laundry every single day, making dinner, cleaning the house, maybe for you changing all those diapers. It takes on a whole new meaning when we look at it as if we are serving our Lord. Even the mundane, thankless tasks of motherhood become immensely significant. Why? Because we do them not primarily for our children and our family, but for Jesus himself. Jesus takes our service personally. So we've been in a series from Nehemiah called Change Your World in 52 Days, which has been really challenging. If you haven't been with us, you can check out the podcast at c2church.com, and you can listen to them. The preacher's pretty amazing. As I was preparing for this message, I always have a greater appreciation for my husband and all those that speak or preach or, as I call it, share. My husband has a nickname for me, which some of you might have heard it, Smoking Hot Wife. But today I'm going to share about how sometimes I feel like a one-hot mess. Do you ever feel, do you ever have that feeling that when things are going well, planned out, life gets interrupted by something, someone, and becomes messy? Your circumstances get overwhelming. When life is messy, what do you do? I feel when we are messy, that is when God does his best work because we come as we are. He doesn't want us to be perfect. He wants to mold us, change us into his own image, and he wants us to fully depend on him and keep our eyes on him. It's like cleaning a messy room, which maybe some of you don't have that, but don't come to my house right now because it might be a little mess. If you look at the whole thing in one room and it's a mess, it seems impossible to clean up, kind of overwhelming. So when I ask my three children to clean up, they all have a different idea of what cleaning up is. So when I go to my son's room, when he says, okay, Mom, I've cleaned up, so I say, okay, let's go check on it. And I have to be really careful because I actually am a little OCD about cleaning. Um, I do like a clean house. Get that from my loving mother. And so when I go in there, I don't want to do anything to discourage him if I'm seeing things that are not the way I want it. So I'm like, Instead of crushing his spirit, I say, well, how do you think you did? How do you think you cleaned up this mess? So he pauses a little bit, and he says, well, as there's still many things on the floor, he says, well, maybe I could pick this up and put this away, and maybe this, and then we start to work together, and then it doesn't become so overwhelming, and he gets the job done. Now, two of our other kids, um, one of them, gets a little overwhelmed because they tend to pile up their mess. So when it gets out of control, they just have a meltdown and they don't want to do it. It's too overwhelming. I can't clean this up now. Some girl drama. So I encourage this child, maybe it might be helpful to you not to pile your stuff up if you pick up a little bit each day. It's not going to be as overwhelming to clean it up. Isn't that true about our own lives, that if we continue to pile things up that we shouldn't, 
it becomes too overwhelming to clean up, to deal with. In my darkest moments, my messes, I wasn't certain that God would hear and answer, that he could be trusted with my pain. I've wondered, really wondered, if there is a plan to all the chaos. I've doubted if God was going to come through for me. In my worst moments, I've wondered if he cares, if he loves. At times, I had felt what David said in Psalms 10.1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Psalms 13.1 and 2, it says, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Maybe you have felt what David was saying here. You've felt the pain of loss and the desolation of loneliness. You've struggled to believe the truth and wondered if maybe, just maybe, you've gotten it all wrong. But have you ever tried saying these words of David? I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. That's Psalms 13:5. And in Psalm 16:7, David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. David, grubbing for food in the desert, sleeping in a cave, fighting for his life, discovered that grace could be found in unlikely places. God himself counseled him in moments of confusion. Listen to his testimony in Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Not everything turns out as you had hoped. Not every dream comes true. Not every friend stays close. Not every prayer is answered. Life is messy. For all of us who desire to live for God, we still sin, we still make mistakes, and we still choose poorly. God is so good to us, so graciously loves us, cares for us, and he draws us to himself. It is such a blessing to already have our sins dealt with at the cross. The rest of my life, I want to be God-dependent, not self-dependent allowing him to do in and through me what I cannot do on my own. I've had many messy things that have happened, and there have been times that I just wanted to curl up in a ball and not face them. God wants me to trust him no matter what, that whatever I'm going through, he will walk or carry me through. Most of you know that we had a son die eight years ago. And in that same year, my grandpa died, and I lost my job. What do you do when you're hit with so many things at once, when it becomes so overwhelming? For me, I continue to trust God each and every day. No matter what the outcome, I knew he would be faithful. He will always carry me through. We have been through tough times since then, and my God is still faithful But if I don't keep my eyes on God and look around, and then I begin to look around at all my circumstances and not focus on him, I begin to sink. Let's look at the story in the Bible where Peter walked on the water. In Matthew 14, beginning in verse 25, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified It's a ghost, they cried, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. How many times have you and I found ourselves in the midst of a terrible storm in life and cried out, Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, get in the boat with me. Lord, please make this storm go away. When perhaps what Jesus really wanted most was for us to have enough faith to step out of our boat of security and completely trust in him. Perhaps instead of crying out, Lord, please come near to me, we needed to cry out, Lord, please help me come near to you. In other words, Peter, you were doing so well. Why did you take your eyes off of me? Why did you stop trusting Why did you let go of your faith? There's a very valuable life lesson for you and me to learn from Peter's experience that night on the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. And that is, any time you and I take our eyes off Jesus, we begin to sink. Perhaps you're going through a terrible life storm right now, and you feel like you are way in over your head, as though you are drowning in desperation and hopelessness. Perhaps you've tried everything you know to try, and you've exhausted your resources, and yet it seems your situation hasn't gotten any better. So here's a few questions to ask yourself. Is it possible the reason you have that sinking feeling because you're focusing more attention on your situation than your Savior? Is it possible the reason you have that sinking feeling because you have spent more time talking to people about your situation than have spent time in prayer and talking to God about it. If Jesus were here in the flesh at this very moment, would he say to you, oh, you of strong faith? Or would he say, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Anytime you or I feel as though we are drowning in a hopeless situation, that is a reminder that we need to get our eyes refocused on Christ. Here are a few ways to stay focused. Instead of focusing on how big our problem is, we need to focus on how big our God is. Did you hear that? I think we focus on how overwhelming our situations are that we forget our God can handle anything. And instead of focusing on how powerless we might feel, we need to focus on how powerful our God is. And instead of focusing on what we can't do, we need to focus on what Christ can do. If Jesus could heal the sick and make the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk, if Jesus could cleanse lepers and drive out demons and make the dead to live again, if Jesus could calm the sea with three simple words, peace be still, then why would you or I ever doubt that Jesus can help us through any of our life storms or messes. 
Just as Peter became distracted by the wind and took his eyes off Jesus, there are many things in this world to distract you and me and cause us to lose our spiritual focus. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Every day, we need to reflect on what our lives would be if Jesus had not gone to the cross. We would have no forgiveness, no salvation, no hope, and no eternal home. So how do you and I keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? How do we maintain our spiritual focus and not fix on our circumstances or our, our messes? First of all, we need to look daily at the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. If you and I would look daily at the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it means to each of us personally, it would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Second, we need to look daily at the example of Jesus as our standard for holy living. In Philippians 2, 5, and 8, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Every day, we need to think about the kind of life Jesus modeled for us, a life of service, a life of humility, and a life of obedience to God. If you and I will seek to follow that example each and every day, it will help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Sometimes, I don't like to touch or eat messy things. Some people find that that's kind of weird, but I don't eat powdered donuts. I don't eat wings. I don't eat ribs. If I have to use my hands, it's, I know, it's weird. But God reminded me of how many times do we encounter people with messy situations and we really don't want to help. But isn't that what God wants us to do? Sometimes it's better for us to take our eyes off of us and look at others and help them in their messy situations because that brings us closer to God as we are serving him. I was so encouraged by Holda Buntain's message last week. She's 91 years old and is still serving people and helping them out of their messy situations. So what are our excuses? Why can't we help others and live that life of service that Jesus wants us to? Life isn't always convenient, but God is calling us to work according to his plan, not ours. And finally, we need to look daily for the return of Jesus to keep our eyes focused on him. In Philippians 3, 20 and 21, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. It is so easy to get so caught up with the hectic day-to-day -day living and to be so distracted by all the terrible things that are going on in the world around us that we seldom think about the glorious return of Christ. 
Every day when we get out of bed, we need to remind ourselves of this wonderful truth. Jesus may come today. When we look daily at the death and resurrection of Jesus, and when we look daily at the example of Jesus, and when we look daily for the return of Jesus, it helps us to keep our eyes fixed on him and keep walking by faith until that day when our faith is made sight and keeps our eyes off of our circumstances and our message and focused on him. Go ahead and lay the burden down on God. It's okay to be brutally honest with him and let him know how worn out you are. It's okay to let him know that you've reached the end of your sanity rope. It's okay to unload on him all the heavy questions that you might have about your circumstances, all the hurt and all the fears that are weighing you down. He's strong enough and tender enough to meet you right where you are. I know when I've had my struggles, um, the thing I love to do is to cry out to God. And there was this one time that my son came into my room and I was talking to God. And he looked around in the room and was like, Mom, who are you talking to? I'm like, I'm talking to God. And he's like, oh, okay, and walks off. I think it's so important as parents that our children see us pray. And not just in our messes, about our messes and crying out to him in our time of need, but crying out to him how awesome he is and showing our kids how much God loves us. I think I just, I love that he was just like, oh, okay, no big deal. (laughs) So God is your burden carrier right there. Right where you are is a good place to make the exchange. Your burdens for his peace. Your burdens for his joy. Your burdens for his rest. In Psalm 68, 19, praise be to the Lord, the God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. So moms, I'm going to speak to moms for a minute. Perhaps the greatest thing you can reveal to others is that you aren't superwoman. That you don't have it all together all the time. That life is messy at times. The blessing is not being a superwoman on your own strength. Is that others get to see you depend on God's strength. They get to see you depend on his strength, his faithfulness, his goodness, his wisdom, his peace, and his grace. And your life becomes this spotlight that points to how glorious God is. So for everybody, whatever your mess is today, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and he will carry you through to the end. Just like Peter did while walking on the water, he was able to walk to Jesus when he was focused on him. But as soon as he took his eyes off of him and looked at the things around him, he started to sink. So maybe there are things in your life that are overwhelming to you today. Let's begin the journey to trust in Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him and not our circumstances and know that he is always faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your amazing love. I thank you that we can come to you with everything and come as we are. Life can be messy, and I don't always get it right, but you take me as I am. So, Lord, do in me and in all of us what we cannot do on our own. Live through us and show the world what you look like 
And thank you so much for forgiving our sins even before we ask. In all of this, your grace is our blessing and your glory is our goal. Thanks for working in spite of the mess. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.